Your yak is odd looking. Hey, don't body shame my yak. And Zendaya is me Welcome to Double Feature, the podcast where we talk about twin films. That strange phenomenon where two studios release very similar movies in a very short time span. Sometimes they're vaguely related and sometimes they're damn near identical. I'm Dan. I'm Max. Start the- We're starting the show. Max. Yeah. You just recorded one of these yesterday. It, you I know what? Much, I don't know how much gas I got in me. I think this is, this is maybe like... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is... Is it the door? Did you order a pizza? Hello, housekeeping. I'm here to give you your pizza. Oh, you sound like the other guy from the episode instead of the guy who usually says that he's housekeeping. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll I take think that it's, pizza. It's probably uh, the cheese and mushroom, right? Yes. Hold the sauce. No sauce, cheese and mushroom. Oh, that'll wait and brown pizza. Um, white and brown pie. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably worth noting. We've talked about it before. How we have uh. We like to have a little backlog on here in case anything happens. And uh, with that, we've recorded three episodes in the course of a week now to get us back up. It's a little. This one might be a little light. Also, because we're doing baby movies. baby movies for babies. Yeah. Uh, baby movies for babies that I actually enjoyed also. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, the th- good thing about baby movies is they're very structured. Yeah. Like one of these is just like a classic like road movie. Right. And right. the other one's a classic hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um we'll get into that more. Yeah, you um, got some stuff. Max, the other night though, we watched uh two movies together. We did. I have a I also have a movie that we did not watch together that okay, I also that, watched. Do that one first. Okay. What you been watching? What you been watching? Uh at the time of this recording uh the conjuring three has just come out and now it's not the first time going back to theaters you've seen i have seen it i went and saw it in the theater i knew this as noted in the podcast before we had gone to see mortal Kombat in theaters and we also went and saw 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 in theaters spiral from the book of saw in theaters both of those at Relatively non-normal movie-going times. Theater very empty. We saw we saw Saw on a Friday night. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Well, then something happened. Yeah, there's just nobody there. A are flip people, is are be- people going back to the theater. A flip has been switched. Do you think it's because they listened to our podcast and we told them theaters are back, baby? Probably. I think absolutely yes. Honestly, uh, the deed feature bump. Man, there. I'll start off by saying this. I forgot how much movie theaters fucking suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, some of our favorite one of our favorite activities is seeing a movie in theaters. By the uh, time one I of the worst things about seeing a movie in theaters is you got to go to the movie theater and there's like people around yeah. and all kinds of yeah. It's... By the time I left the theater I was like, "Man, movie theaters rule." Yeah. <laughs> Even though they suck so much. Took us 20 minutes to get popcorn. The art of the movies, baby. Uh the magic of the movies. <laughs> The, the the line for concession was just insanely long because for some reason they're also selling tickets at concession and not from a kiosk yeah, or somewhere crazy. else. Um, it also always just takes a long time to get concessions. 
Yeah. Like they they don't like get you in and out quick. Uh there was some sort of glitch in the glitch in the matrix because the manager kept coming back from back like the back room holding a thing of cheese and a pretzel, taking like a look around to his left and right, going back in. And every three minutes he would come back out with the same cup of cheese. That happened like four times. Mm-hmm. Um got into the theater. It's the conjuring. That's a horror movie. So, of course, what's there? A bunch of teens. A bunch of teens. These damn teens love these movies. A bunch of teens just sitting around talking about how if they saw that ghost, they would hit it in the face. Is that what they said? Yep. Happened a bunch in the movie theater. Shout outs, though, to the girl. Do they not know that ghosts are immune to bludgeoning damage? I don't know. I, that's, that's stupid. The problem. But shout outs to the girl who was with the group of guys that kept saying that because she did just keep going shut the fuck up david <laughs> uh and that was great guy next to me she everybody else was just like yeah i'll go see a horror movie and i'll be tough at it and this yeah. girl was like david i really want to see this new movie i'm a big fan <laughs> of the conjuring you really need to fuck it do not ruin this for me <laughs> david uh guy next to me vaped the entire time nice dude. Snapchatted the entire time. Oh, Shout outs to some chick named Kaylin. Because <laughs> she was messaging this dude. I vape a lot. I mean, arguably in some places that I'm not allowed to. I haven't vaped in the theater yet, I don't think. Yeah, it was wild. Because I don't want my puff going up and getting in. People will see that behind me. I also want to give a um, shout out to the girl sitting directly in front of us that... Um, her and her friend, who I thought were middle-aged women based on how they were reacting to the film, mm-hmm. they were not. They were easily in their early 20s because the whole conceit of The Conjuring 3 is that it's the case where they, they pleaded uh, not guilty by way of demonic possession, right? So the lawyer, the defense attorney comes out to tell the Warrens that she talked to the DA and they're going to go for the death penalty. And it's this reveal that they're going to push for the death penalty. And when we got that reveal, the girl in front of us went <gasps> like it was she was so shocked. Yeah. And I just a bunch more There's of that be stuff. conflict in this movie. What the yeah. hell? A bunch more of that. I just stuff. wanted to see a guy act weird of, over the course of the entire runtime. Her and her friend were just having more fun than anybody of them. <laughs> but what is the one thing that is a staple of seeing a horror movie in theaters opening weekend? That's right. A toddler. Oh, a toddler yeah. oh, was God. in the theaters. Every time. We were dude. having it all, baby. The in- yeah. There's always a little kid in a horror movie opening weekend. It's insane. We said it before on I the podcast. I remember there being a baby in John Wick 3 when we yeah. saw that like opening Friday. And I'm like, what is this baby doing here, dude? We've said it before on other episodes. You said it before in this episode. But I can say wholeheartedly, Theaters are back. They're back, baby. Fully back. You can go to a theater right now. You can spill popcorn in your lap. Anywhere across the country and get the full movie theater going experience. I mean, uh, wow. What a time. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. And then once again, I've paid $15 to go see a movie that I could have watched for free on HBO at home. Yeah. Thank you, Christopher Nolan, for saying. But hey, also Conjuring 3. It was, it was a good time. I really liked it. It was, it was Next, fun. Uh, Friday night. Oh, Saturday night. Saturday. We, during uh, the day. We is our uh, future guest of the pod, Dylan, friend of the pod. Uh, his birthday, we had a little boys cookout. Yeah, it was we nice. Got, we got some beers open, put them in our mouths. That was great. 
at some point, wind it down. It was too hot outside. Too hot outside. To start throwing on some films. Out of nowhere, the birthday boy himself said, you know what movie we should put on? Highlander. Hey. A movie that is in, uh, I love so much. I talk about it a good amount. Um, I've probably brought it up on the pod, though I can't remember a certain time. It's not quite on like Gremlins or First Cow tier for me right now that I bring it up every single episode, but um, love that movie growing up. Uh, my dad showed it to me. I love the Highlander movies, the TV show he even liked, which the TV show is bad. Uh, the first one, Rules. I love that movie. I did too. We it's watched great. it. Um, I think both Lucas and Kool Aid, who were there, hadn't seen it before. I know Kool Aid sure. hadn't seen it because he was asking me stuff about it. I'm like, yeah, eh, don't worry too much. <laughs> Every, <laughs> Definitely asking like, too many so questions. Is, so are they all Highlanders? And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. He's the Highlander. He's the Highlander. Because he's from the Scottish Highlands, but they're immortals, is what these they There can all only are. be one of those. There can be as many Highlanders as possible. It, it sure was fun when I explained that uh, Sean Connery's character. Uh, oh, Sean Connery's last character. Last name Ramirez. Yep. Uh, is referred to other characters as the Spaniard, mm-hmm. played by Sean Connery, doing his Scottish accent. He doesn't change his voice right. at all. Has, but neither has does, an um, ancient Japanese samurai sword mm-hmm. and claims to be Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm Egyptian. It it rips. Yeah, Christopher Lambert also. Lambert does not change he, his voice at all. Two like guys with distinct tr- accents. He'll try to take a pass anything. at a Scottish accent a cup, like a tiny bit when he's in Scotland. But then as soon as he's not in Scotland anymore, he's just like talking like... Eh. I I am the Highlander. I am a weird French guy. Just insane. <laughs> they try to play it off at one point because the the police, uh, when he he gets arrested, uh, towards the beginning, the cops are like, uh, "That's a weird accent. Where are you from?" He says, "A lot of places." <laughs> I love that movie so much, man. The guy doing a bunch of backflips. Uh, oh yeah, the backflips to get away from the fire. <laughs> There's a Kool-Aid lot. Of was stuff asking in that me questions movie. about like how the immortals work. Unclear. Um, it's not, never not only can they not die unless uh, their head is severed, but like we know it, it to prove that he's immortal. Sean Connery pushes Christopher Lambert off a boat, and he freaks out that he's drowning. And then realizes, oh, I'm not dead. I can breathe water. And it's like, just because you're immortal, you wouldn't be able to breathe water. Right. It doesn't even make sense. Which then we kind of like <laughs> brought up as like, if he really wanted to get away from the Kurgan, why wouldn't he just go to like the bottom of the ocean where yeah. he's just untrackable? Yeah. Just chill at the bottom of the Mariana Trench until... Until James Cameron <laughs> shows up and blows your cover. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that was great. I love that. We also watched... Um, a favorite of mine that you had seen before but hadn't really remembered. I've never seen it. Before. Oh, you had never seen it before. Okay. Uh, Black Dynamite, mm-hmm. which is um, if you don't Great. know, it's from 2009. Stars Michael Jai White. It's like a send up, uh, spoof homage. It was written by him too. Was it directed by him as well? Um, I can have that for you. But it's like a send up. It's a, it's a full homage. I I don't want to call it a spoof because it has too much love for its source yeah, material. It's not a spoof. Because it, um, it just fully works as a black exploitation movie. Yeah, I said it while we were. It's directed by Scott Sanders. I said it while we were watching it because you started talking about it. It was like it. It falls into a category of several different movies, and I think a movie we've talked about on here, The Editor, 
Yeah. Um, also, where it's like, if you didn't know, I think Black Dynamite a little bit yeah, more. The editor was a uh, uh, send up of Giallo films yeah. that we watched. And you definitely think ago. the editor would be like a, is like a C tier Giallo, but there's nothing in there that necessarily like, but both of these movies have such a uh, deep understanding and love for their source material that if you didn't know any better, you would just think this was a black exploitation movie from the right. 60s and 70s. Yeah, the it's only so kind fucking of... good. This, I mean, you can tell it's like played for a joke when he's looking at the boom mic that's in frame, and it is keeps an glancing at joke, it. But that is also the type of thing that would happen in these super low. Budget he, also, movies. the scene where he but the one of my favorite scenes. Well, we can talk about the chicken and waffles Greek mm-hmm. thing, but one of my other yeah. favorite scenes, and it's it's definitely a couple of like blink and you'll miss them jokes. But when he barges into the militant headquarters and the one guy stands up and is reading the stage directions off of cue cards or like whatever. And he's just like, militant stands startled. (laughs) And then Black Dynamite asks who's in charge here. And he goes, sarcastically, I'm in charge. (laughs) It's just like there's so many of those little things where it's um, they're easy to if you're paying attention, you catch them. But they would be easily missable if you weren't like fully invested the, in it and it's just so good the part where he's fighting a bunch of dudes in um in the like billiard tall um bullhorns fighting bull, a bunch of yeah, yeah bull, they're both bullhorn, there yeah bu- it is bullhorn that he like slaps the actor and you see the actor just break as if he's mad he's really been hit and goes to like actually square up and then a hard cut to the same <laughs> scene where that actor is played by a different just actor so clearly a different guy as if he got in a fight and got fired right then <laughs> there. just put a whole new guy in the same outfit it's so funny it's such a good movie and it's um it's in a category or like in a tier of movies for me where i could i could watch it all that i never get tired yeah, of black dynamite the jokes land every single joke lands just as <laughs> good and if you if you're familiar with like dolomite and stuff because it's mainly kind of a send-up of uh the dolomite movies and that um stuff is there's like things that are just like straight from there like when um honeybee or whatever is like crying all the time there's that exact character is just in the dolomite movies just every scene she's crying but it's just so funny you cut her and she just got the one tear like coming down there just saying like totally normal like not even like Tear jerking things. The uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Reno nine 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 one one. Um. Oh, Cedric Yarbrough. Cedric Yarbrough. Yeah. When uh, Dolomite goes to a gathering. Uh, Dolomite. Jesus. That black dynamite. There you go. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> uh, goes to the gathering of all the pimps just hanging out mm-hmm. and telling them not to sell drugs in the neighborhood. He's anymore. putting a war on anyone who sells drugs He's, to the community. <laughs> and David uh, Yarborough's character. Cedric Yarborough? Cedric Yarborough. Cedric Yarborough's character. Whose character's uh, name is Chocolate Giddyup. Yeah. Uh, says, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> Just not understanding immediately, he's, he's saying he's guilty of the thing that Black Dynamite is threatening to kill everyone yeah. for doing. <laughs> and just they're doing the roll call of all the pimps in that earlier scene, like to see who's like on board with their new initiatives. And one of them is just Captain Kangaroo pimp. And we hard cut to a guy that looks like Captain Kangaroo blowing a kiss. Yeah, that guy rules. Oh, it's so fun. It's just so fucking good. So then the one scene that everybody probably talks about most is they're doing the. This I don't even know what what would you call this scene? Like, is there a name for this like trope? I guess or I don't know. It's a trope people know where you just like 
uh, try to suss out the meaning behind something. But you have to take like, a bunch of steps. Yeah. So the whole thing is like there's this there's this new follow, malt they liquor. They just have a word yeah. that they get from somewhere, and they're trying to d- derive meaning from it. So it, what what do they start on? So the remember? whole. So the whole conceit of this, like they're trying to figure out how why the CIA is involved with some or who's involved with this thing, and it's sort of revolving around this new malt liquor called Anaconda Malt Liquor, whose slogan or branding is like uh, kind of the same as like what they do in Make um, you, ooh. yeah, or it's similar to uh in Coming to America mm-hmm. with like the Jerry Curl stuff, but yeah, it's Anaconda Malt Liquor gives you ooh. yeah. Like uh, Little Richard, which yeah. uh, so they're trying to figure out what the connection is, and they start. Uh, somebody says "melt in your mouth," and Black Dynamite's yeah, like, "Oh, you know, at, oh no, it's because they're at what is becoming the origin story for Roscoe's chicken and waffles, and uh, <laughs> they uh, they just say the waffles melt in your mouth, and he's like, "What else melts in your mouth? M and M's, but not in your hand." And then it's and like M and M's is from the Mars. Yeah. candy company and uh the that's the roman god of war but the but greek god the of greek war god? is aries and aries uh zodiological symbol is the ram and like ram spelled backwards is mars <laughs> and all of this and stuff they keep getting like aha moments <laughs> during it like oh so they that, end up talking but about they just have nothing it all ends up talking about asclepius's staff yeah. and like the medical profession and yeah, stuff all they drawn back to the snake the uh, anaconda the snake, anaconda yeah. and there's like they start what, what? falling who's off there's an old f- woman who's known for saying "Ooh, yeah. little, little richard, richard. little rich what's another name for richard Dick. Dick. <laughs> so malt Anna- liquor gives you a small yeah dick. anaconda malt liquor gives you little richard <laughs> which is anaconda malt liquor gives you a little dick and it's a secret plan by the cia to uh shrink the dicks of the black community so that they're not as big anymore <laughs> and then they go and find their friend who's been drinking malt liquor this entire time he's got a tiny dick and they kill him to put him out of his misery <laughs> <laughs> it's so good the scene goes on for like five full minutes mm-hmm. uh it it took about one minute for me to realize that it's gonna go on too long and just start dying laughing. It, it's a great if you haven't seen black dynamite it's so good um if somehow you're aware of black dynamite through the adult swim show which is also very good and didn't realize it was based on a movie uh that's wild to me and just go like go watch the movie the show's really good too um it has very much the same tone um it gets a like way more outlandish there's an episode where a uh mr rogers kind of character has a bunch of kids hostage because he's having vietnam flashbacks and it's like somebody that Black Dynamite served with and Nam. Uh it's a good episode. There's there's a lot of good episodes in that TV show too. But um you want to get into our movies for this week? Let's go. You didn't have any more what you've been watching, right? Uh let's go. Let's get it. So we're watching two uh computer animated movies about Yetis slash abominable snowmen making first contact with humans. Yeah, so they came out um but before we get into synopsises, I was kind of curious about this because I I feel like out of all the movies we've covered, this is probably like the most specific sort of like twin thing where it's just like two animation companies decided to make Yeti movies within a year. So I looked it up. 
I wanted I wanted to like find out a little bit more about for the record. Yeah, a little bit more about like the production kind of process for these movies. Um Smallfoot came out first. Twenty eight came out in twenty eighteen. <clears throat> um by WB's animation. It was a it was a movie that the the idea was floating around the the writers had um some ideas and there was like an initial thing and it didn't it went into production about like 2016 it's unclear about when like the original ideas came out but abominable had been in the works in development at dreamworks since 2010 hmm. um they both kind of went into like full production in 2016 um so it's it's i guess both studios just kind of had these on the back burner Weird. and they maybe got sort of wind that there was going to be like a thing you know there was may have been that it's kind of unclear of them maybe trying to follow maybe frozen hype and just wanted cold like a cold something i don't know yeah there there is kind of a moment where uh one of the characters in abominable uses like yeti magic and it it gave me some frozen vibes i guess but yeah there's some that puts the timeline kind of right for that one at least that it would have been in uh started in production shortly after that they uh the war so i thought before watching these i thought that uh smallfoot was a um an illumination movie Uh, which it's not those are the guys that make um despicable me despicable me and stuff yeah they mostly make shit besides uh, the warner brothers the minions are the big yeah so this is warner brothers which the warner brothers animated division like hasn't made that many movies they did like the lego movies um which are great they had just done scoob which was a movie that got completely killed by the pandemic and then uh people really recently scoob, tom though. and jerry the uh i didn't I think see came it. direct to hbo max as well but have not seen that guy no um but yeah they haven't made much and then the other one's uh uh dreamworks which everybody yeah i don't know um, everybody kind of thinks dreamworks is the kind of on the backseat to pixar definitely on the definitely second tier to pixar but probably top of the rest yeah because how to train your dragon's huge yeah um which i didn't really realize but i mean like pixar movies at this point in time have just because now we're at like generations that have grown up watching Mm -hmm. pixar movies like i feel like when a new pixar drops it's like event viewing Mm -hmm. for a lot of families yeah uh and i don't know if dreamworks is at that level i think they're bigger franchises i like how to train your dragon legitimately is huge yes how to train your dragon but, is but yeah i think they miss much more often than they're still pixar a step does. down from pixar but like, they're like pixar is like they're the one, top of the rest for like, sure the one miss that people talk about from pixar is the good dinosaur mm. whereas there's like plenty of dreamworks misses yeah yeah uh do you want to read first or what movie do we want to start with uh who cares I'll 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 start it. Out. Okay. <laughs> um, Abominable, 2019, directed by Jill Colton, starring Chloe Bennett, Albert Sai, Tenzing Norgay Trainer, Eddie Izzard, Sarah Paulson, and Sai Chin. A Yeti escapes from the lab of Mister Burnish, played by Eddie Izzard. Teen Yi, uh, Chloe Bennett, is doing gig economy to finance a trip she planned to take with her father who has passed. Yi and the Yeti meet, and she names him Everest. Yi's friend Pang, played by Albert Sai, and his cousin Jin, Tenzing Norgay trainer, stumble upon Everest and call the police, alerting Burnish's security forces. 
Our group escapes capture on a departing boat, eventually traveling by land across China towards Everest home, which is, uh, you guessed it, Mount Everest. Uh, they're pursued by Dr. Zara, played by Sarah Paulson, Mr. Burnish, and his many goons. Uh, the party is split briefly, and Jin learns that despite her outward appearance, Dr. Zara is only hunting the Yeti for profit and plans to harm him and the kids, but Mr. Burnish actually has a soft spot for animals. The good guys regroup and realize Everest has been leading them through all the landmarks of the trip Yi wanted to take with her dad. Everyone reconvenes in the Himalayas. Everest uses his Yeti magic to protect the kids, and Mr. Burnish, Burnish has a change of heart. He wants to let Everest go and live peacefully. Dr. Zara does her full villain turn, tranquilizing Burnish and then Everest, and throwing Yi off the cliff. Um, I was like, damn, they really threw her off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, fucked up. Uh, Yi survives and plays her violin, now restrung with Everest's hair, and thus suffused with Yeti magic. This creates an aurora borealis that charges Everest up so he can stop the caravan and save the day. Dr. Zara drives a truck into Everest, ready to take him in dead. This causes an avalanche that sends her now hurtling off the cliff where she presumably dies. Burnish vows to keep the existence of Yeti's uh, secret for their own protection. Kids reunite Everest with his family and learn a lesson about how their own families are cool and also that they're all family too or something like that. Uh, like Harry and the Hendersons, kind of. The kids return home to Shanghai and eat dumplings, all better off for the experience. Uh, movie was made for $75 million and made $189.7 million at the box office. Uh, I think generally okay liked uh 61 and 6.1 on metacritic and then rotten tomatoes critic of 81 and rotten tomatoes user of 96 all right small foot uh came out in 2018 directed by carrie kirkpatrick and jason Riesig, uh starring channing tatum james corden common lebron james zendaya and danny devito is zendaya play michi mm-hmm. uh danny devito is Durgle. Durgle, yeah. Uh, but if you haven't seen that video that we're referencing, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Um, what a what a classic of a bygone era of you hadn't internet the videos. Movie yet when uh, we were hanging out, and I said, uh, "Yeah, dude, we're fucking watching the Zendaya's Michi movie." And you said, "Oh shit, is this the Zendaya's Michi?" Movie? I did. Yeah, I didn't realize they were the same movie. Um, it's a great video. Really great. Um, Migo, Channing Tatum, lives in a small, isolated Yeti village where everyone has assigned roles and must do everything they are told in extremely specific ways. No questions asked and push down deep inside themselves any questions or feelings they have besides happiness. His father's also there, Durgle. Durgle. Durgle? Yeah. All right, sorry. Uh, played by Danny DeVito. And the pair, uh, ring a gong every day that according to the stones that write the laws of the land makes the sun come up on this day however the first day migo is to be the one to actually ring the gong instead of just helping migo gets horny when he sees michi zendaya and overshoots the gong flying over a ridge and out of town outside of town migo witnesses a plane crash and a human falls out which migo calls a small foot thought to be a myth according to the stones migo rushes back to town and tells everyone about his discovery but the but by the time they get back to the crash site, the plane and pilot have comically disappeared. Stonekeeper, played by Common, whose job it is to keep the stones and runs the town, banishes Migo for getting the town riled up and going against the stones. Before he can leave, however, Migo is approached by a group of outsider yetis, led by Michi, 
<laughs> who is Stonekeeper's daughter. They tell Migo they believe him and will help send Migo down the mountain to get proof of the Smallfoot's existence. Once down the mountain, Migo meets Percy, James Corden, who is a down-and-out Steve Irwin type, desperate to reclaim the fame he has lost. Migo snatches up Percy, and the two go back up the mountain, doing antics the whole way. Once back in town, the piece is once again shattered as everyone starts to question the stones now that one is a, is a confirmed lie. It is then that Stonekeeper reveals that all the stones are lies to keep the yetis blind of the dangers around them, and every job in town is in place to keep a giant machine running that keeps them hidden. Stonekeeper coerces Migo to lie about the small foot actually being a yak, and everything seems all right until Migo and Stonekeeper realize Michi has snuck off with Percy because he is having a hard time breathing at the altitude. The town then bands together to go down the mountain to save Michi and reveals themselves to the outside world, striking some kind of accord and everything seems good from there and all the old ways are left behind and whatnot. Also, there are songs. Oh yeah, this is a singing movie. It's a musical. My my second note that I wrote down is, oh, this is a singing movie? <laughs> also, seemingly, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll get into it right now. I'll, let me finish this up. Yeah. Uh, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 76 critic, 62 audience, a Metacritic of 60, and a user rating of 6.9. So very similar on all fronts there for both movies. Uh, estimated budget of $80 million. It opened to $23 million, Had a domestic gross of $83 million, And worldwide, $214 million. Both those um, movies did pretty good. They did really well. Um, yeah, Smallfoot musical i'm pretty sure the only people that There's, sing are zendaya and chaining tatum but i, I think they I sing call themselves it a full musical um, yeah there's because it's three songs I mean, it's, four songs it, it, there's there's probably like five songs or four or five songs it's uh in the same way like classic disney movies are where they'll burst into song numbers sometimes but it's not like a full music where like everything is sung yeah, yeah. the one i watched this <clears throat> year um over the moon the netflix original animated feature that one's like full musical it's, oh, okay. it's like song after song to do like everything um but yeah this is yeah just it, like disney style classic disney cartoon movie where you burst into songs but yeah and as, as far as i can tell like both from watching the movie and looking stuff up that um zendaya and um channing tatum are like the only ones that actually like have uh like solo singing parts and they both did their Common own singing apps. Oh yeah, Common has a rap. Um, um, James Corden has his Queen cover song. Oh yeah, man, I whoa, I'm just like freaking. As far as I can tell, everyone did their own <laughs> singing. All the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone did a good job. Like surprisingly, that Channing Tatum actually. That's four songs at least. I, I don't yeah, know if yeah. there's more than that, but there's definitely four then. Um, so maybe there's five. Yeah. Chan uh Channing Tatum sings one, Zendaya sings one, they sing one together. Oh yeah. Then so, yes. James Corden has a under pressure kind of hook thing. Yeah. And uh hey, Common Corden. has his rap. I also have one note I have is just can James Corden go away now? Mm -hmm. Uh um, he seems like just a horrible shill yeah. of a person. I hate him so much. He's the most industry plant vibes of like anyone I've seen. Um I think I've brought it up before. Uh, 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 Mike Lee movie that I really like. Uh, from when he was James Corden was young and still British. Uh, major plot point like the the rising action happens because uh he's so fat and such an asshole that he has a teenage heart attack. <laughs> 
then doesn't really get he doesn't like learn a lesson he doesn't like become better it just affects the people around him right on uh the movie is kind of weird i mean like the the main like i guess uh message is to if you know there's like some sort of injustice or yeah there's a lot laws of laws that are bad you should stand up against them sort of thing yeah because they live in a total fucking fascist yeah. uh, state of being. Yeah. And are just like told they're happy and everybody for a time at least yeah, believes they're, it. They're in like a microcosm of like a fascistic... Uh, I, my letterbox review for this movie said um, in its portrayal of uh, a fascist uh, uh, government and... In a microcosm, this is a perfect mirror to Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, dog tooth. Um, yeah, double clearly, feature those clearly, for your kids. Clearly, yeah, clearly big Yorgos Lanthimos vibes in this one. Uh, yeah, because they have all the these Greek freak. They have all these uh, stones that apparently have uh, been, uh, I don't know, scribed or translated from the ancient ways. That like one group of people are the keepers of the stones. And they translate all the laws and like tell everybody what to do. Um, character design wise, I liked his little robe. It's like a robe made entirely of all the different stones and They're stuff. All like palm sized rocks with like one hieroglyph that represents what the law yeah. means. So there's, they all like do one these. With a picture of a small foot and it's crossed out, which means small feet don't exist. Yeah. Which is weird because later everybody. So we, we when we meet Michi's band of. Uh, um, like conspiracy theory uh yetis one of which is um, lebron james one's lebron james yeah lebron james is gongi um, <laughs> uh, uh one of them points out why would there even be a stone that says small foot doesn't exist if he doesn't exist like, yeah like of course even the stone makes it seem like he definitely existed and it, it's a kid's movie so it, it's paced very quickly like it is a it's 95 minutes long i think um, but we get, we get an introduction of how everyone is like super happy in this town. They all have these seemingly random, all, uh, all their jobs, jobs just look like they're pushing stuff around. Like it seems yeah. like they're just doing nothing. Some people's jobs are to put these like balls in a mouth Yeah, and, uh, just that's it. <laughs> they just pick up these blue orbs and put them into some stone shoot that looks like a mouth and you got to got to keep everyone busy so they don't uh stop and think about anything. Yeah. I I say after finishing my 9 to 5 job, <laughs> which that we do find out later is that it's all in service to keep this machine running that creates steam, steam to look yeah. like clouds that surrounds the mountaintop that they live on so, because so humans can't see them down there and it keeps the yetis from wondering what's down below because they had had run-ins with the humans before and the humans thought they were monsters and all this stuff which is the main like conceit and... of the final finale of the movie is that michi is like no like they're not monsters they think we're monsters like they're afraid of us so they're acting out like mm -hmm. we need to present more uh friendly to them which is, I probably like a kind of fucked up message in its own way. Like, yeah, just make your, if there's a ruling class somewhere else that can damage you, please present more appropriate to their standards or whatever. Ah, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here for this movie. I more, probably more than I should be. 
<laughs> yeah, good. Just I, like, I mean, it tries to go into serious stuff. I mean, yeah. you see uh, Dorgal. Um, at one point, uh, he misses the gong and the sun comes up anyway, and he has a full existential crisis. Oh yeah, he just like his. You see his brain mm-hmm. literally break, mm-hmm. as evidenced by the hat that he wears to ring the gong breaking into. It's mm-hmm. just perfect parallel to his mind. Yeah, there's there's some heavy concepts presented in like a kid friendly way here. Yeah, you, yeah. You you should question things. Um, you should stand up for what's right and what you believe and what you know to be true, even if it's against like, the norm. Yeah, our hero's Channing Tatum's character's downfall stems from when he decides to lie for um what he's being led to believe by the Stonekeeper is the good of the people. But, yeah, uh, he's he being pushed his friends to do so, and he. He's telling non-truth because he's been manipulated into thinking he's protecting his people. Which yeah, the whole kind of is protecting them. Like, the whole thing is just like, oh, are you? If you're saying a stone or a small foot exists, then you're saying that a stone is a lie. And are you willing to do that or like whatever? And he's just like, yeah, no, I am. So, yeah, it's you don't really idiot. I mean, I guess it, to me, it didn't feel like it wrapped up any of those things like super well, other than basically like do what's right, even if. uh you know, common thought would tell you it's wrong sort of thing. Common thought. Yeah. Well, and he's the one putting it all through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it works out, man. Um, But, yeah, I don't know if we necessarily need to go, like, too much, like, plot stuff. Like, if you surmise the movie, there's a lot of plot stuff. I think the big thing we didn't stuff. go into that we should talk about a little bit is uh, his uh, exile journey. Um, yeah. When he goes down to the, the human village where he encounters um, James Corden's characters, like, uh, seems like he had a TV show or maybe still has a struggling TV he's, show where he does wildlife stuff. He's like he's a like Steve Irwin or a um, Jack Hanna. Jeff Corwin. We yeah, we see please. shots during his song about his kind of like fall from grace where he's like, he's the animal guy on late night circuits. He's that. That's, I mean, so yeah, he's trying to recapture the glory. It seems like he's kind of like moved to YouTube and is just yeah. struggling to get views. His His grand idea is already... Um, like, oh, this is the Yeti town. This is where all the Yeti sightings are. We'll get a Yeti costume and just fake finding a Yeti, and it'll go freaking viral. Yeah. And uh, what there's a fun little mix-up where he thinks he's talking to uh, his producer in the Yeti costume, and he's actually talking to our boy Channing Tatum, an actual Yeti. Yeah. Um, neither one can understand each other. We get fun little bits back and forth where it'll be the Yeti hearing human speech, and it's like, Super high pitched and yeah. really fast, and then yeah, and then we'll get the human hearing the yeti, and it's like growling, just like super yeah. I did like the scene where it once, uh, there's a whole like they're kind of like struggling against it. You know, the yeti's grabbing Channing Tatum, Migo is grabbing, uh, Percy, and he's like slipping out of his hands like a fish, and Percy's shot a trank dart that's gone like way up into the sky, oh, yeah, and it finally comes down and uh hits percy which we get a great line from james corden get a great line from james corden just going that's ironic yeah before he falls asleep yeah i was busting a gut both of these movies have that shitty like self-referential millennial dialogue that i hate like yeah neither one fully says oh i guess we're doing that now but but it's uh, that kind of i did did write down one of them saying I think it's the goofy little Yeti in the group of the teen Yetis 
who just at this point said, or at some point, oh no, it, no, it's the main guy. It's Shang Tatum's guy. He says, could this day get any more bizarre? I'm like, oh God, <laughs> don't ever say stuff like it's, that. It's definitely one of those movies, but um, I mean, you had to have so at least expected I'll just that going. be over here, okay? You had to expect that going into this. Like, people are DreamWorks smiling like motherfuckers, dude. Ugh. Um, mess, but, but yeah, no, yeah. once he has them, like, he puts, like, ties them to his chest in a sleeping bag, and they end up in a cave where uh, Percy runs off and wakes up a bear. And He's taking kind of footage fun... of him first because he, he wakes up, uh, yet he's warming him <coughs> up, um, but on a spit over a fire. Yeah. So he immediately wakes up, assumes he's being cooked and eaten, um, runs off, startles a mother bear. The mother bear and the Yeti can speak to each other. Yeah, they're, they're like growling over top of him, and they're just arguing the bears uh, just like... My husband's sleeping back there. I finally got the. It's just like this is my six months of mommy yeah. time. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's a fun. Se- There's a, plenty of like that kind of things. Uh, one of my favorite like sequences though was um, at the start of his kind of like hero's journey when he's sent down, and Jimmy Tatro's character Thorpe shows up and yeah. the strings going out and he's like grabbing for it but he's like pulling the string it's not attaching anybody's like floating in midair and then he just kind of like wily coyote yeah, falls that's stuff that i do love my classic looney tunes well gags. and it's warner brothers animation yeah. and i'm like i was thinking about uh there's like a picture that you goes around fucking invented that dude. yeah there's a picture that's gone around uh quite a bit you see it like uh circulate about the sort of like rules of wily coyote where it's like the Roadrunner can only be on the road and Wiley Coyote can only be hurt by his own hand, kind of, you know, all these different things. And I was just like sitting there watching this scene being like, man, they are hitting every single like rule they've established at like Warner Studios for their classic slapstick stuff. Cause he's like running on a wooden bridge where like the, the planks start falling off. And then he's like, I got the two ropes and he's trying to like pull the mountain together, but just two pieces break off and hit him. And yeah. then. Uh, just clap yeah like you said it's it is looney tunes slapstick through and through and it uh guess what it still works i've said it before i'll say it again all of my comedy is based off of watching looney tunes <laughs> as kids <laughs> i love this stuff uh it's cla- so he saves james gordon from the bear mm-hmm. um then himself gets caught in a bear trap trying to leave. James Corden has like a tinge of pity, goes, takes him out of the trap. The two have kind of bonded and stuff. Um, so he's going to take him up the mountain to show him his home. Um, gets up there. That's when we find out like, Oh, we're showing off the small foot for everybody. That's when common has to take him in, tell him the way everything really works. Um, all the rules. He decides to go back on and promise to his friends. Small foot's dying up there from uh, high altitude. Yeah, so Zendaya is Michi, takes him down the mountain. Yeah. Well, LeBron James is a guangi. Yeah, and uh, Danny DeVito is Dorgo. Yeah, we got stuff. Uh, it's so fucking good. I've honestly contemplated just making that the intro to this episode. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. The listeners will already know if you did. Yeah. Um. So... Uh. Migo and Gwangi and two of their other Kolka is one of them, and then the little shit guy Fleem. Fleem, yeah, that guy sucks. Uh, they go back down the mountain to try and they got to rescue Michi. She's kind of 
in over her head a little bit, kind of just amazed at all of the different things. Doesn't really she, realize like really people are curious, after her. She's like scientific type. She's like very Yeah, she discovers Yeti gravity. Yeah. In yeah, the movie. Yeah, she does discover gravity. She like uh, predicts that the sun is uh, not actually a giant glowing snail, but a ball of uh, gas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's just kind of like running around, uh, slightly oblivious to all the things that are happening around her, but the humans are aware. They're trying to get her. The Yetis manage to get her out of there with the help of James Corden. They do. Who puts on the Yeti uh, suit. Another Looney Tunes thing that I love. Um, when they're trying to catch her, I forget what starts the spark. I think she knocks a car over or something, and it yeah. it lands in a fireworks uh, store. The second time we've seen a car crash into a fireworks store. Uh, so a ton, like a New Year's worth of fireworks are going off, and every all the Yetis are looking for her, like, man, where's Michi? And all the fireworks are like, I bet she's over there. Yeah. Like, so, I, just, I just love seeing a whole fireworks store go up. So James Corden Percy puts on the his old Yeti suit, and the humans basically like leave them alone because now they're like just like oh it wasn't actually a yeti it was this guy in a yeti suit so he gets arrested one of actually another joke that worked really well for me uh it was dumb but it did get a chuckle it was when they throw him into the back of the police car they're listing off uh, a bunch of the stuff that he's being arrested for and the last thing you hear right before the scene cuts is that uh is uh looking weird yeah uh that was that that got me one of the reasons he got arrested yeah did not this did is not expect this that. isn't where tibet and he's a Something redheaded like british guy so yeah. yeah he looks weird illegally so um so then after that yeah i mean the movie's basically the, over yeah, the yetis go back up to their mountain again stonekeeper um, helps in the, getting michi back yeah. like he throws a he bunch of rocks at a helicopter yeah. he all you can tell he was, is a good guy he always wanted the best for his people he was trying to take care of him the way he knew how he never actually did like horribly bad stuff yeah um so these were he, rules they, established long ago that he's just trying to uphold so he tells all of the yetis the truth um and they decide as a group to um reveal stop, themselves to reveal the themselves yeah and it ends on a nice scene of uh this is just propaganda that the liberal capitalistic democracy is the best form of government which is uh <laughs> demonstrably untrue Looking at the state of America in decline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, abominable. <laughs> let's, hop, let's hop right into that. Yeah, any, any sort of just like wrap up, oh, generic um, uh, overview of what you thought with about. quick it because it's a simple kids movie. Yeah. Um, it is fun though. I these movies, I, I, like I alluded to earlier, have such simple plots that this is literally just a hero's journey, mm -hmm. like the classic stages of the hero's journey. So. Like I became really aware of that as he was like going to and from like regaining knowledge and going through all the steps. And I just hate that my stupid brain like has to think about these things now. So I had the insane intrusive thought while I was watching this. I said, oh, Michi is both the mentor and the elixir. I'm just like, <laughs> dumb. As you know, returning with elixir is my favorite step in the hero's journey. Yeah, it's a classic. Um yeah, no, they, 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 we're going pretty quickly through these because they're simple, cute, little fun movies. Yeah. I mean, four kids about Yetis. Not uh, much plot to I like really it. Unpack. I like it okay, though. It's, I did too, it's yeah. It's like fine. It's, I, I've seen movies that are this exact same thing that are just like unwatchable. Mm -hmm. And this was not that. Yeah. I, I thought like the 
like the art direction for a lot of it these characters are like kind of ugly but like the town is really interesting looking um i liked the uh stonekeeper's like coat like i mentioned the the visual gag of danny devito being uh like Dorgal being short because he's just slammed his head into the gong over and over again. There's you even get a joke about you get uh, their whole family tree. He shows them all off how they were all stone guys, and then there's like uh, everybody's like insanely yeah. short and fucked up looking, other than uh, one weird uncle who with his crazy uh, mallet idea. Yeah, he's, and he's the only one who's not short. And, and like right up. before Migo gets launched, he's like, "Hey, didn't you used to be my size?" And Dorgal's response is, "I was taller." Yeah. <laughs> because he's just been shrunken he uh, is danny devito's size yeah. in the world of yetis <laughs> we uh, weren't clear th- there's there's plenty of like fun little jokes to like get you by channing tatum does a good job with the songs zendaya actually has like a phenomenal voice her songs yeah. were like really, the songs are good too they're like catchy yeah i liked um, commons rap a lot about yeah the, the laws and the stones and all that stuff yeah it's good so like insane that i'm watching common as stonekeeper when i came to know him as a rapper yeah like it's I, if you just go back and listen to kanye west college dropout like right now and just every rapper that features on that has become a famous actor and so, <laughs> just famous for something completely outside right. of rap music at this point it's so fucking weird but uh good times yeah this boot it's good yeah. it's it's a solid uh solid little romp for the babies especially if you got kids throw it on if you're sick of watching left shark or what or baby shark yeah left shark left shark (laughs) (laughs) watching those left shark compilations (laughs) uh abominable though Mm -hmm. uh has a better art style it's a more attractive movie like the classic small foot it's like the classic dreamworks style yeah i just like the like the Yeti I, I, and Abominable is that is a lot cuter than the Yeti. Yeah, and well, he doesn't foot. speak. We don't. We aren't exposed to his internal life. He's much more of a wild thing. But he's he, like um, bounding around and being cool. He kind of looks like the uh, aliens from Attack the Block to me. Like yeah, vaguely a full dog version. Yeah. yeah, he like runs bipedal and has a giant gaping mouth and stuff. He does kind of look like that. We talked about they're making it two finally, right? I don't know if we did, but if yeah. we didn't, we are now, and I'm very Woo! excited. Yeah. Attack the Block. Uh the best, the single best John Boyega sci-fi movie of all time. Yes. Not even that's not even a fuck if, the Disney Star Wars. If dude. somebody wants to argue that point, I'll like I'd probably throw hands. Yep. Honestly. Yep. Uh couple things that I really liked from Abominable. Uh Everest is the name of the Yeti. I loved Everest's design. He looks, he's very cute, very fun. You got the big eyes. They hit every like check mark to just like make like cute character. Oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. Uh, also, uh, there's a lot of just like throwaway like jokes throughout the whole movie. Uh, from mostly the like militant like security guys that are like chasing them. Mm-hmm. They like pay off a guy who gets into a crash and they're like one dude just comes up and opens a briefcase and just said, some money for your silence and then another guy in the background just goes it's a bribe (laughs) that worked some Uh, of that's fun those guys were a lot of the what i didn't like i liked that one i like they were doing a lot of the millennial you didn't like the whoop there it is one i hated that one so much oh it was i well i really just wrote uh whoop (laughs) there it is jokes in this 2019 the year of our lord uh 
Yeah, there's like a whooping snake that is just in the background who just goes whoop. Uh, and we get a whoop, there it is joke at some point, which is wild because so uh, Mr. Burnish, who's the Eddie Izzard character, is some sort of animal collector, collector, collector of antiquities and oh, yeah. rare animals. I was pretty sure I wrote down. Yeah, and I did. When he says whoop, there it is. And they say, really? Dave? Well, that's the part I don't like is they call out the joke. It's mm. like the, they say, really, Dave? And I wrote, man, I hate that shit. Yeah. The, the calling him out for what is a good joke. Yeah. Uh, let your friends make jokes. Yeah. Just let it be a good yes. And even when they lie. Yeah. Play in the space. Allow them to play in the space. Don't don't yuck their yums. Everyone's here to have a good time. Get in the riff zone with the fellas. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, shame on those other security guys for poo-poo and Dave. Because he's just out here trying to have a good time. But so, the main just plot of this movie is that we have Mr. Burnish, who is some sort of rare animal collector. He's like Um, a rich businessman. Yeah. He he wants a Yeti because they're like the rarest thing of all. We he's, learned he's that he had a run in yeah. with them when he was a younger man and uh, was kind of just like he was sure amazed he was trying them. to attack him. Yeah. And it's not it, later on in the movie. We realize he's presented as the big bad villain guy. But really, it's um, the uh, redheaded yeah, Sarah Paulson's character, Dr. Zara, is actually she's presented at first to be like the benevolent zoologist who just wants to safely return this animal and is doing it for him he's like vengeful towards it we get little bits that he actually does care about animals even though he's got like a a gruff exterior um yeah i think like i said earlier there's a she has a full villain turn at some point yeah after he's had his change of heart and is pretty much just like right at the very end of the movie but until that point it's i mean similar to how we covered smallfoot i mean the Dan synopsis pretty much covers all like the little yeah. uh, story beats. You've got um, Yi, who's working a bunch of like odd jobs. She's hiding it from her uh, mother and Nai Nai, who I guess is her grandmother. Her grandma. yeah. And um, she's just trying to like make money or whatever. And then she super misses her dad. This is a classic cartoon. One of the parents is missing. We yeah. didn't mention Migo's dad in the last or Migo's mom in the last one is just gone doesn't really have anything to do with his motivations really in that movie no no in this one her whole motivation uh Yi's whole motivation is her dad passed he was a violinist she's learned violin doesn't want to play anymore because it makes her sad thinking about her dad she was trying to do all this gig economy stuff to make enough money to take the trip across china that they planned on taking together she meets everest the yeti on the roof of her building when she's up there kind of just having a moment to herself uh they bond because she plays violin and he really likes it he like hums and when he hums he kind of glows and then he can control he's got like nature magic basically yeah. uh he's some sort of druid of some kind he's insanely powerful lady. yeah he makes a field into fucking a waves. tidal wave yeah, yeah. crazy um so at that moment though uh <laughs> like dr zara and the security team show up to try and get Everest. They make a break for it. Um, Pang and Jin, her cousins, I believe, or are they just people that live in their her building? Uh, they they live in the building and are friends. Uh, okay, Pang and, is Jin's cousin. Yeah, those for the, sure. The two boys are cousins. Yeah. 
so they kind of get like wrapped up into it they um she's got this like plan or they get she gets herself and everest on a boat then pang's like oh i'm coming too and Jin reluctantly comes along as well because he wants to protect pang yep so now they're on pang's fun little basketball boy yeah he like he's a little i bet he likes bugs too i guarantee he likes bugs <laughs> well he so, flips over the tortoise so there's one type of bug that we, oh yeah he's at least nice too yeah exactly for and sure. the koi fish the bugs of the water mm-hmm mm-hmm all canonical <laughs> we all know this these are facts uh and then we're we're just kind of like that from there on. We you've got yeah, stuff where Jin doesn't like. He's he's kind of very clean cut and uh, into yeah, he's his clothes. And... He has expensive sneakers. He's like too good for all this. He's just trying to get the three of them safely home. Um, and it takes a while for him to get caught up in. I actually care about stuff. I care about you guys are my friends, and I care about this yeti too he actually has a has a moment where they never say yeti in this movie they keep calling him an abominable snowman okay Um, i don't i keep saying yeti though this quick i mean he's a yeti yeah they're all the same i think they're interchangeable i don't know yeah whatever i think so um it's a mythical creature we do offend anybody by calling it their own thing if anything abominable it's having the qualities of an abomination so that's the offensive one the movie's yeah, called go. abominable but this guy's anything but he's sweet as can be love Hell this yeah. guy he makes blueberries big at one point oh the big blueberries are fun <laughs> they get in Jin's butt yeah <laughs> he's got some blueberry cheeks he, on he him he uses his magic to first they're very hungry on their journey so max said this, it just becomes like them heading towards uh mount everest to get him home pursued by Mr. Burnish and Dr. Zara and the henchmen um, trying to evade them at every cost. But at one point, they're just in the wilderness. They're really hungry. So he does his Yeti magic to make blueberries grow. And then they grow super big and too big. And then they like do like a snowball down the mountain chase scene where the yeah. blueberries explode all over. Really weird and out of nowhere, but I and loved it. Jen's like, I've got blueberries in places blueberries shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And he walks off and they're. In in the back of his pants, like a big butt. Yeah, he saw Dr. Miami, dude. He got the ass shots. <laughs> uh, and then we have a moment where they're kind of, they're trying to escape the security people again. Uh, Everest makes a big dandelion and they fly off on it, but I Jin doesn't really make it. I understand what his magic was at this point. I thought he just made stuff big. Yeah, you can just control that, nature I thought entirely. That, like, the villain turn was going to be that they didn't just want to have a yeti they were wanted to like exploit him for the magic they knew he had oh with GMOs but that doesn't come up stuff. at all uh like, yeah no it doesn't yeah uh, um so Jin kind of gets kidnapped or captured by the security people and we think he's gonna betray them and actually to very much to my relief uh he basically spent over the course of that night he realizes that they're lying to him so he steals a motorcycle and leaves and i was like oh man i'm so glad that like he tries to steal a motorcycle immediately he's like like acts very cool turns it on and everything uh then goes hits the actual ignition and it just shoots out from under his legs and flies off a cliff and explodes (laughs) so he's like well i guess i gotta just run now so he just runs through the forest for a really long time it's pretty funny uh, but I was just so relieved that they just did that, like turn and turn back, yeah, immediately because that would have his just... refusal of the call was like two minutes, yeah, which yeah. is which is good. I was like, man, this Don't is waste my time because you saw that coming, like you saw Jen trying to like not turn on them, but like being like, oh no, he's like gonna 
Yeah. You know, he he does inconvenience them in that he says the village where they're supposed to meet up at. Yeah. So they meet. They do meet there. He trades his iPhone for a boat. Gets them there. Uh, they're there with uh uh Everest, who uh they dress up as a yak. Um, that's very short lived. Yeah, he he lasts as a yak for about thirty seconds. Uh, any guesses in my guy of the week? Oh, um, it's gotta be James Hong. It's James Hong. Yeah. There aren't a lot of guys in these movies. Sometimes they hide really fun people in like small voice acting roles, and they didn't do a lot of that, but they did put James Hong as Yak Herder. He has two lines, and one of them, uh, I think just says, uh, that's a weird looking yak. Yeah. (laughs) And Peng's like, don't body shame my yak. Yeah. Uh, Um, yeah. James Hong, classic guy. Our boy David Lopan. Mm hmm. Um, Love James Hong. How could I pick anyone else? Did you, get, did you have any guys that jumped out at you? Uh, no, James. I mean, I heard James Hong's voice immediately. Yeah. And I mean, it's so recognizable. And he yeah. does a ton of voice work. The, I, I will take this moment now to like say a thing that like this is uh, I mean, I, this is a soapbox for I don't know who. Oh, maybe the only other that guy is Justin Roiland was in Smallfoot as Gary. Yeah, we love um, Rick and Morty. On this yeah, show. love Rick and Morty. We, we love the pickle. Yeah, love pickle guy. Mm-hmm. We love when cartoons are all about depression. Now we don't. Um, I don't. These movies do have like a problem that is just like a Hollywood problem at large, where you just take celebrities. Abominable, less so as I'm like looking at the uh, like voice cast, but uh, Smallfoot, a hundred percent. You just take a shit ton of celebrities and throw them into the movie instead of actually hiring voice actors who like yeah, i mean i mean at least they're putting uh asian asian oh yeah voice actors as asian characters abominable for sure um <laughs> fun fact this uh is actually tinzing uh norgay trainer is the grandson of the first sherpa to go up mount everest oh, with uh sir edmund what's his name or whatever that's cool as hell that's yeah a, that's the guy who does a voice for Jin. for Jin. Oh. um yeah, Abominable has d- did did a better job of getting actual like voice people or whatever. Uh, Smallfoot is just Smallfoot a, is a bunch of famous. It's just a bunch of famous people. Bunch so, famous. but because of that, you don't get a lot of those like sort of like recognizable voice actor. Like yeah. everyone in Smallfoot is in there because they're a big name. That's that's an issue in the voice acting community. Is a lot of people can't get work. Yeah, because so many of they'll just put a celebrity in i mean fucking that. we brought it up already so might as well like mention it like during this part well we don't need to go into it too much but scoop yeah they totally i mean a lot of the people who were long time voice actors for scooby-doo after the original cast were just not even consulted for that movie yeah um which is just wild and they just were just like hey let's just get you know we wouldn't have whoever. the line we wouldn't we wouldn't have that uh, Zendaya's Michi uh, video if they didn't just put a That's bunch true. of insane celebrities matched with insane Yeti names. You know, there's I, a silver I, lining I'd to be, all things. I'd be willing to erase that video from history to give working voice actors a better shot. Oh, I, easily, I, I, yeah. I stand with the working man. Uh, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, James Hong is kind of like the only... Uh, outside of the only or i guess yeah justin roiland and then also my guy jack quaid i like jack quaid from the boys uh dennis quaid's son he plays pilot oh yeah yeah, yeah. in uh small foot 
He's got well, another, another like the, two line roll. The end of Smallfoot when uh, all the Yetis come down the mountain at the very end to reveal their presence. He's still dressed as like in his yeah. pilot outfit. I so thought the that same we know thing. that he's the same character. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Oh, he he bonds with Gwangi, LeBron James's character mm-hmm. because they've both been called crazy. Yeah. Uh, so LeBron when James did a pretty good job. Yeah, and everyone does it. Like all of that to say that's like he's, none of these people did bad jobs. He's gonna be in the next the WB feature. Oh my god! Yep, Space Jam. That's <laughs> gonna suck. It's gonna suck so bad. Um. So then, uh, Everest uses uh his um Yeti magic to make a big wave because they're yep. getting caught up to by the um security guys and dr zara uh in their like tiny little boat and then that turns into a giant wave of flowers or like yeah, they, hops they crash or, i don't know what field. they're like dude you, you gotta turn and then he doesn't turn and they just go into a big flower field but the wave then, continues because yeah, that's when he's you realize changing, like all of the earth around them makes a big uh that's when you realize uh, he's just very powerful <laughs> yeah pang has uh yeah insanely powerful uh pang uh it's like, yeah, man, make it bigger, make it bigger. And they make it too big and the wave crashes on them and they all crash. And it's fun. They're like it, it like water. The the flowers wash them up to, in quotes, shore and then recede back. behind. Yeah, it looks really good. But there's a quick little fake out that makes you think they're hurt. But it's just so they can throw up some flowers comically at Jen. At yeah, um, that's that's funny. But then her violin's broken. Her violin's her broken. Her violin. She gets really sad, wanders off, and um, Everest fixes it with his own hair. Which makes him magical, so she can magical. do Yeti magic, too. It's around the same time that we also realize uh, Yi starts looking at her postcards that were part of like how she... Pictures of how she was planning out the, ha- planning out the trip and stuff. And she's like, oh, like they realize, like, oh, my God, like we're hitting... like This is the trip my dad wanted to take me on. Like We've hit all the things except for one... And then and she that's looks where they are. Everest is like this sly motherfucker. She's like, did you plan this? And he's like, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I'm being your surrogate dad. <laughs> Me, a child. <laughs> yeah, we find out at the very end, he's a baby. <laughs> um, so she plays the violin. It makes it rain. She causes a bunch of flowers to, uh, so that's how we know that it's like a full, it's got full Yeti magic on mm-hmm. it. You're like you made that happen. Yeah, we oh, get the cool. um, we get the Doctor Zara heel turn. Yeah, she uh, yeah, she goes full evil to the point where she's like, I'm she gonna, wants to kill the Yeti. She wants to kill the Yeti. Yeah, and uh, Yi fights her off, and they're fighting over like a stun gun thing, cattle prod thing, I guess. And Zara pushes her over a cliff, presumably to her death. I thought she was immediately gonna get like Yeti magicked back up or something. But it instead, like it's like no, everyone thinks she dies for a bit, and then we we she's holding onto a rope. Her. She yeah, she's grabbed a rope as she falls off, and a little yeti magic flower floats down to her and gives her the power to come back up. And she plays her violin, and like I said, makes a bunch of magic of her own that turbocharges uh, Everest, and he hulks out and makes a bunch of ice so they can escape. And yeah. Zara does die off screen. Oh yeah, like, her and the head security guy are yeah. flown thrown while in a massive truck off the side of Mount Everest. Yeah, with a bunch of with a bunch of like 
avalanche falling yeah. them down. Oh, they're, they're so they're, they're very they're dead. dead as hell. I hate Sarah Paulson. Dude. I I do not like her much as an actress either. She's like one of those people that just bugs me for some reason. Yeah. I know a lot of people love her. She's just not. I think I think she's me. pretty both loved and hated. I think there's a lot of people like us who she just her vibes are weird <coughs> in some ways. She just like seems yeah. Um, that's that's all it is for me, which is a shame because uh, every time I try to watch American Horror Stories, I I really like uh, Evan Peters. Um, You're everything I've got. Uh, what's her name? And how it goes. And about Schmidt. Kathy Bates. Oh, Kathy Bates. Uh, Kathy Bates is just like a national treasure. Yeah. Uh, There's so many people in American Horror Story who are great, but I actually, huh? Don't let Nick Cage around her. No. Uh, but Sarah Paulson bugs me so much that it kind of offsets how much I like all of those other people. It makes it kind of hard to watch. So the couple of seasons where she's not in it very much are much appreciated by me. Um. But American Horror Story also just kind of fucking sucks as a show. It's not very good. Yeah, I don't watch that show. I just kind of like it's. It was. A, it's been a uh, long time. Like I just will. I kind of throw it on. Just kind of like not pay attention to a season very much. They needed to be shorter. But we don't need to talk about American when, Horror Story. When yet. I found it, I watched the first season. I was like, that was okay. And then I found out it was made by the Glee guy, and I was like, yeah. oh, now I'm reevaluating this, and I think I don't ever want to watch it again, and I never did. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh yeah, so any sort of just wrap up thoughts on um Abominable? This this one's got a much simpler premise to mm-hmm. uh love those around you. Um don't take your loved ones for granted. Believe in magic, I guess. Also be yeah. willing to help the small things that need your help. Doesn't um, have a fun, eight. nice little movie. Both of these are just like nice little fun kid movies. Yeah. Weird that they came out. A year apart and very strange. About yeah, Yetis. Um, I gave them both threes on Letterboxd. I think I liked Abominable a a little bit more, mostly because of like the art and stuff. I I prefer the style of um. I prefer the style of Smallfoot because I like the cartoonish, like Looney Tunes sure. style stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to see any more DreamWorks face guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, um. Yeah, I like them probably. <clears throat> excuse me, probably about the same amount. I that I, I I just finished uh, Abominable before coming over here. Um, I watched so Smallfoot this morning. Yeah. So. I haven't even rated it yet, but I think probably about two and a half, three for both. Of yeah, these. it's it, it. They're they're very on par for me. Um, these this like kind of like I like kiddier stuff. Like I like Pixar and um you know dreamworks stuff like fine uh these ones are good um so but these aren't like like these aren't like pixar it's not like wolf walkers or like the leica stuff that i know it's fucking awesome like high tier animation it's it's definitely not like kids transcendental of its uh niche uh it just it it fits its niche very very well these are the kid movies for kids yeah they're good. They're fine. Um, cool. I think that pretty much covers it. Um, Danny, want to tell everybody what we're watching next week? Next week, we will be joined by a friend of the pod. I think 
alluded to earlier on this episode, Dylan, to watch uh, Showgirls and Striptease, and there might just be a returning segment. Ooh. Only for you bonus episode heads. The yeah. real ones. Um, this one's for you. That'd be fun. You, do you have any history with these movies at all? Um, I watched Showgirls um, trying to jack off to it uh, when I was like 12. Sure. Um, and I don't really remember watching it as a movie. Um, so no, is okay. my answer to your question. <laughs> not, uh, I, I like I'll log that. I won't even log this as an, I've watched it before on, um, letterboxd because I don't even remember if I watched the whole movie or sure. how I even found out. I'll, um, I just saw that sexy leg on the cover and I said, there's probably going to be content that 12 year old me wants to see on this. And I waited for my parents to go to bed. Uh, I'll, I'll let Dylan tell the story. Uh, it's non-masturbatory, but with, there is a story about Dylan and I watching uh, Showgirls. It is a movie that both of he and I like quite a bit. Uh, it's I love Verhoeven. Like Verhoeven, that's, that's the main reason he was between this guy. and two other movies. And I said I would love to have an episode where you get into a Verhoeven movie. So let's go for these two. Um, it's it, it's a good. I I find Showgirls to be a good time. It's not a good movie, but it's a enjoyable watch. Um, at least yeah. critically panned. Yo, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that'll be fun. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at uh, on Twitter at Doubled Feature on Instagram. It's just Doubled Feature. You could send us an email if you are so inclined. Uh, Doubled Feature Podcast at Gmail dot com. We'd like to thank Ryan and Sam for our theme music and logo respectively you can find ryan at ryan laser on twitter sam at hero institute i also do a web comic with sam called nerds day that's at nerds day on twitter nerdsday.com you can follow dan and i personally on letterboxd and twitter dan is at danny jankum i am at mac underscore dead uh yeah um any last words for the people there i think Leaving these movies in the dust, uh, everyone's going to remember Zendaya's Michi. I just want to speak up for the little man and remind everyone that LeBron James is Gwangi.